let it let it not be said that that you know I don't put blood into my work. <laughs> I was trying to, I was changing the batteries in a flashlight. And it's one of these aluminum okay, flashlights. Okay, so not art so much at all, rather. No, no, no. I was just screwing the end on it. And and the unfinished edge, as I was, you know, I guess dragging my finger around the threads, uh, it sliced into my finger. And I didn't notice it until I went to type uh, a note to you on the keyboard and was typing out blood all over the... <laughs> right yeah, side of yeah, the keyboard. Right. So that's so. why I end up with yeah. <laughs> It was a it was a cry for help. That's, I know. I, th- exactly. I thought someone was murdering you in real time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I did the same thing the other day. I tell you this yesterday. I, I um, you know I do my migraine injection every month now, and so I get the syringe. Dum, dum, right. Dum, 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 dum. Um, it's like a train spotting or something. I get the syringe and I grab a chunk of my chub. I think that's the official term for it, right around right. my waist. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm 49 now. I got to do what I got to do. Uh, and you jab it in and then you push the plunger down. Not into this at all. Don't like needles, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't look where I'm kind of sticking it. Right. I kind of hold and I kind of like look away and I kind of just say, heck with it, jab. You know, once it's in, I'm fine. It's just the getting it in is scary. It doesn't hurt. You barely feel it if you feel it at all, but it's scary. Anyway, I jabbed it in, but instead of going in at a 45 degree angle, like I was supposed to, I kind of went straight in this time accidentally. Oh. And so the needle went, I think a little deeper than it's supposed to go. So while I was pushing down the plunger, it's going to sound terrible. I felt something pop. Whoops. Um, you see, Doc. <laughs> wow. Um, are you okay? I mean, it, did it, I have there any four, adverse effects? I have a four inch in circumference blood bruise. Oh, my gosh. On my stomach. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, it's not great. Um, but I. If I'm, anybody asks you about it, though, you can say, you know, the first rule of Fight Club is you can't. You talk don't talk about, about Fight, Fight Club. Club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what happened, Bill? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. Uh, yeah. So it's it's uh, th- th- when I first did it, it looked like this. I'm sending you, and now don't it, no, no no please don't please don't okay please don't all right I will I will remove it. It's really nothing yeah. gross. No no it no. Looks like just no, like no. a bruise. No nope. Okay, I removed need, it. So don't you don't need, need to see it. All right. Thank you. Anyway, I'm all alone this week because my wife's in California and. Uh, and I, I was a little concerned that I was going to, you know, die in my sleep from some sort of internal bleeding. But I think I'm OK. He's here, kids. <laughs> as of uh, as of 10 a.m. East Coast time on uh, January the 9th. Yeah. If I start sending you a whole bunch of texts that say. Right. Like the ones I just sent you. Yes. <laughs> then I'll know something's up. Yeah. Um, yeah, what is it? It's uh yeah, January 9th. This is episode 355 of On Taking. 355. Pictures. Hey, I got something for you. What? I got something for you. So one of the sites that I visit pretty much daily is uh artnews.com. I love that you actually visit sites 
daily like it's 1995. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I'm not letting go. <laughs> no, I, I think that honestly, that's what we should go back to that. There, there are a handful of sites that I visit either daily or, or you know, mostly daily. And um, I have for years and years and it just, it works for me. I, I don't, I don't, I also subscribe to a fair number of newsletters, but sure. there is something to your point. There's something really kind of satisfying about, okay, dub, 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 you know, or pull up a bookmark or whatever it is, sure. however I get there. Yeah. There's something kind of satisfying about going to a website and, and reading an article. Well, you're also I, seeing it presented the way they want it presented, right? There's a whole. Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. Anywho, anywho, uh, w one of the, the stories in Art Art in America, which is a magazine, art magazine, and they have a companion blog, uh, is entitled Stephen either Thaler or Thaler. I don't okay. know how the pronunciation. Stephen, let's go Thaler because it sounds kind of nice. Stephen Thaler's quest to get his autonomous AI legally recognized could upend copyright law forever. Bum, bum. Bum. Yeah. So here's this this story, uh, and I'll, I'll just read you a, a little bit of this. Uh, when he was two years old, Stephen Thaler had a near-death experience. Thinking it was candy, he ate two dozen cold medicine tablets and washed them down with kerosene that, in a parenting misstep too common in the 1950s, had been stored in a Coke bottle. Hold on a second. This, this, is, not, this is not an Onion article. No. Okay. Keep going, sir. No. Uh, quote, I had the typical experience of falling through the tunnel and arriving at what looked like a blue star. Around it, I saw little figures, little angels around a sphere. Thaler, now 74, told Art in America from the suburban Missouri office of his AI company, Imagination Engines. The most trusted people in my life, he says, my dog and my grandmother were there. And she said, it's not your time. When Thaler woke up in the hospital, his grandmother and his dog were waiting for him. That was perplexing. If they were alive yet appeared in his vision, he reasoned, the powerful experience was no evidence of heaven, but was fake or more precisely a visual spasm created by the brain at the apex of trauma. Okay. So here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> <With that>. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Okay. It is as if as if drinking kerosene from a Coke bottle. Yeah, it's like anyway. we're going 130 miles an hour down the highway and you're like, this is where we flip on the NOS. Yeah, yeah right, 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 right. Vin Diesel is, is in the car next to us. Uh, that link between trauma and creativity, the vision Thaler's brain produced, would prove instrumental for Thaler more than 50 years later in 2012 when he induced trauma in an AI system he'd invented in the 90s. Device for the Autonomous Bootstrapping of Unified Sentience, or DABUS, and it created an image that marks a stunning moment in the history of art. According to Thaler, it is among the first artworks that have been created by an autonomous artificial system. So, I'm not sure what I think about this yet, but he's spent several years trying to get the image copyrighted listing Dabas, 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 uh, as the author. Um, now, as we have talked about before on the show, currently the U.S. Copyright Office only grants copyright to humans. Yes. Um, but he's arguing that this is um, a sentient 
response, not a series of math equations, right? That 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 created this thing. Mm, okay. Um, and because says, it's sentient, uh, it's as good as a human, so therefore you should give it? Maybe. He says it's, it's proto-consciousness. You have a continual progression or parade of ideas coming off it at a, as a result of this noise inside. This is how our brains work, he says. We think mundane things exist in some common state, and then the tiger is chasing you off the path, and you climb a tree or do something original you haven't done before. That's the cusp that we live on, he says. So I just thought this was really... It's a it's a more it, it's a more nuanced and a, and a different approach to the the why of copywriting an AI. So this piece is using source images like LLMs are. This isn't yes. coming up with imagery on its own. It's cobbling together imagery. Based upon, I found the article. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like because they're, but but I guess. Okay, he, here's here's where I go with this. If if he fed it a bunch of images he made, and the machine is then putting them in a blender and spitting something out. Okay, I could I I could see that. Um, if it's using everyone else's images and it's just taking his prompt and putting it out and he's saying, well, this is a thing and we, this should be copyright. I have a problem with that in it only in so much as then some jerk is going to say, well, I'm just going to have a machine make every single picture that could ever be made. And I'm going to copyright all of them. And then all of you owe me money. Well, okay. So, you know, like they did with the whole melody thing, right? There was a musical thing. Like, I'm going to copyright every melody ever made could possibly be made. And I'm a jerk. Yeah. But here's where it's interesting. He's not asking for copyright for himself. He's asking it for the machine. He's asking for the machine. So, Uh, so who would, who would get, wait a minute. Go ahead. There's this part of the article and this, and I think this is, this is the, the crux of his argument. Okay. Uh, in the in the 1980s, Thaler was experimenting with neural networks, technology that mimics the architecture of the brain and using damage to provoke what he calls, quote, novel experience, end quote. He would stress out the synthetic brain until the system started making erroneous associations between different concepts. Uh, by introducing noise, a mathematical representation of randomness that human senses register as static, he found that he could simulate perturbation. As noise was injected into the system, it began to make new associations between its different training data, thus generating new ideas. Simultaneously, Dabas could recognize which of those new associations was useful and which wasn't until it got overwhelmed by the influx of noise and effectively stalled. So, okay, let's let's say that they decide to grant this copyright because they decide that this machine is sentient. Yeah. Why? So that the machine can make money? That's, that's what copyrights are for. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they're I, to, to protect creative output. I almost feel like it's more of a, of a... He's trying to make a point. A legal representation of a Turing machine kind of thing. Sure. Okay. But a legal, not a legal representation, but a legal, a legal distinction... 
it, it doesn't feel like it's for money. Maybe it is, right? Because most things are. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It's really okay. interesting to me. I don't so know the, why. The other day on one of the Twit podcasts, uh, Leo Laporte has become a, a, a believer in AI as a transformative tool. He's just like, I've talked to a bunch of people. I was a real skeptic. Now I think it's going to change the world. Not in a, everyone should put the gas pedal to the metal all the way down and see what happens. It might blow up the world, but in a, okay, let's, this is a very useful thing. And, and, and part of his argument that he was making the other day is that we always think that human consciousness is special. You yeah. know, that human intelligence is something that either can't be replicated or, uh, even if it can be replicated is something superior to non human intelligences in a way that, that, that puts it into a separate category. Right. Um, for a long time, this, this was, Oh, computers will never play chess. And then of course we make computers, there's chess apps for your phone that can play better than the best players in the world now. Um, it doesn't mean that people stop playing chess, right? This is the, the scenario that people always give. My thing is that I don't think that there are machines that can't do the things that humans want to do. I guess my, my bigger question is, why make machines that do the things that humans do want to do? See what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I do. Like if, if, I if, do. If, if, there, if, if things like making art is something that humans enjoy doing... That yes, it could be that we could make an image or uh, make a machine that could do as good of a job as we can. But why? We actually like doing that. You know, it's it's like I'm going to make a machine that makes it so I don't have to eat food anymore. Well, I like eating food. <laughs> so right. how about you stop making that machine? So I guess my question with this is, okay, so basically you're trying to prove that there's some sort of sentient machine out there, and 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 that it's doing what how it's making imagery the way we make imagery so therefore its output is just as valid as my output is okay that may be true but is that just sort of an interesting conversation to have over cognac at the end of a meal cuz okay now what yeah i mean i okay okay look i i agree with you uh, largely but i also agree that there's potential here that's different than claiming, uh, than granting a corporation personhood, right? Sure, treating, sure. legally treating a corporation as if it's a person. Sure. Uh, that seems like just a really goofy loophole made up by rich people to keep them rich. But does this feel like a goofy loophole of a former hippie? I don't know enough about AI to know uh to know whether it is or whether it isn't if if creativity is about making decisions right and responding and and iterating on other people's work i mean by the way uh to, this dabas was trained on uh to create from 4000 images thaler had on his own camera roll yeah okay so just want to put um, that out there how is it any different than then you or any other photographer, let's say, let's, let's, you know, ostensibly the show's about photography, right? That's what they tell us. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> That's what it says in the metadata. Um, 
<laughs> how is how is this? And and I I don't have an answer to this. I'm just I'm just throwing out a a, a hypothetical. How is how is uh, um, an AI being trained on other photographers' images and then putting out something of its own different than a photographer being inspired by and looking through books of Irving Penn, uh, Avedon, Stephen Shore, sure. Saul, like all the all the greats that we talk about, and then going, I want to do something kind of like that. I'm going to pull a little bit from here, consciously or subconsciously. I'm going to do I'm going to do a little Dan Winters thing here with the lighting, and I'm going to build this little this little prop thing, like like so and so does, or like you know, and I'm going to create something that's mine in quotes, but it's been informed by all sorts of other people who have either are either contemporaries who came before on, on some level, is it not similar? Sure. If not the same? Uh, yes, I think it's the same. The only thing I would say is that at least the way most of these machines work now, they are literally using pieces of the, the other imagery in theirs versus, okay, but a, but a human collage, a human collage artist yes. who pulls from other people's work yep. and creates something new with it can copyright that work. Heck, there's and that's, the, that's ostensibly based on other people's work. Who's the uh, wait? Who's the guy who uh, prints? Who who just like prints out takes a takes a uh, somebody's Instagram post and makes it big oh, and uh, sticks Richard, it on the wall? Yeah, Richard Prince. Right. You know, it's like then that's his art. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's my, not the one same. of my heroes, Rauschenberg. Rauschenberg yes. took images from all sorts of other people sure. and combined them in a way that was something new, something unique. It was analog. I think, but is I, it really any different? I think, honestly, and I don't know. no, I don't think it's that different. I think that the fact that there are or are not humans involved does have something to do with it because then if you automate it, then it still took work for Rauschenberg to take all of those things. It took him mm -hmm. time. It took him, mm -hmm. you know, where now if the time is six nanoseconds, you know, worth of data crunching, um, it's, it's, it's like they, it, and I don't mean this in a monetary sense, but it's almost like, um, the work hasn't been paid for. I mean, yeah. I, I know it costs money to run the servers, et cetera, et cetera. It's very expensive, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, just, I really don't know, Bill. I thought I, I had an idea. Like, you know, even months ago, I was like, I had, I had some very concrete thoughts about this well, and opinions. But now I'm like, well, wait a minute. I know people who are way better collage artists than I am and can, can knock out. I mean, there, there's a guy that I follow, uh, Chris Ashworth, okay. who is a phenomenal art director. He, he... Uh, was an art director at Raygun Magazine after David Carson left. He was creative director at Microsoft. Wait, did he did he make it readable? <laughs> no, I think that was in the in the okay. the brief. You can't okay. make it. Uh, but I watch him in in near real time create pieces that I couldn't do if I had weeks or months to do. Sure. So, isn't well, this on some level uh, an iteration on that? Yes, but I, I, I would sort of go back to my, my, what is the point of doing this if humans aren't involved? Speech, you know, because I, yes, okay, so it is the same in the same way that that machine can play chess better than whatever. But okay, so we have machines that play chess better than humans. We have machines that make art better than humans. Okay, is is that is that art that? If no human is connected to that, then what is that art? It just 
it just explodes out into the infinite of of just imagery all the you know all the way down that's where it breaks down for me and and then and then you're just in a, a a world of noise yes that's where it breaks down if if art is a result of human experience right yep a byproduct of human experience love fear anger depression whatever it is but in 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 a in a in a digital system this person has created and who's to know whether this is actually true or not but has created trauma and and the system has responded to that visual man it just breaks me i i don't yes. really know how to think about it but you know, and maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is to talk about it right now and 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 not have a concrete opinion because we're we're ankle deep in this, if even ankle deep. You know, there. I don't know. It reminds me of all the philosophers who, back when photography was invented, you know, all, all these crazy things. Oh, they must have elves in the box drawing the thing. You know, all this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, or oh, it's. Somebody, uh, somebody I saw recently was talking about post I saw was talking about how people talk about AI now the way people talked about photography. Painters talked about photography. Photographers talk about AI the way painters talked about photography, right? And that is somewhat true. Uh, I, th- I think the difference is that with AI there aren't humans involved in the same way. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, but because at a certain point okay, yeah, humans are making these prompts up, but it doesn't mean that machine couldn't make up prompts that come up with images, in which case, what are we talking about? But I think the well, different... Yeah. No, well, I was just... I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I, I, I saw a very disturbing video. I think video the human prompt two- thing is just a temporary... You know, it's it's like the drivers in Uber cars, right? The whole idea is that eventually the Uber cars won't have drivers, and that's where you make the money. Yes. And and that's... I, I started to say that, that I saw a very disturbing video the other day of two two instances of chat GPT talking to one another. Yeah. And, and basically let's, they let's put guns up, on them and see what happens. They, they ended up giggling that because they had figured out a way to annihilate, you know, the planet and the people on it. Sure. And then they ended up in this just sort of maniacal. Ha, 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 they were all laughing. Yeah, they were both those laughing machines together. Are trained on us. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to do exactly what we would do if we were out of control. Yeah, if. <laughs> well, so I guess what I was saying is that somebody said the the photographers talk about AI as painters talk about photography. And it's like, yeah, but how many painters are there out there actually still painting portraits? Not that many. Why? Because photography took that whole world, right, to a large extent. Um, Based on numbers. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, at least at least for people who are sort of doing it for a living kind of thing. So, yeah, people who are photographers who actually enjoy making their living and being able to eat and have a place to sleep based upon their photography are scared that it's all going to go away. Right. I'm scared that it's all going to go away, both both from, you know, having food to eat and a, and a roof over my head and from the point of view of I like doing this. If you automate it or put it in a machine, let's have the machines do the things we don't want to do. Have the machines mine coal or whatever they need to do. Or take carbon out of the is, air is often met with. Uh, yes, and that's conflict. a job that those people, I mean, do and have done for years. But don't I don't think anybody really wants to go down into a hole for eight hours a day. 
right. they do it because they have to make a living. But I'm talking about things that we actually enjoy. Mm. You, we, you know, I could make an AI. Okay. You and I have done 600 hours of this show. We oh, could, I'm sure. Well, more than that, but yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you and I could spit this show into LLMs and have it come up with two, have it come up with a Bill and a Jeffrey thing. And we could just have a 24 seven conversation like this with our voices made with AI that could go on and people could listen to whenever they want. Just goes on forever. Yeah. Right. Just like we do. (laughs) 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 But (laughs) see, now we're laughing about how we're destroying the world. Um, I'm sure we could do that. But what's the point? The reason why you and I do this is because we enjoy doing it. It's not just because of the output. Right. Right. Again, it's the process, not the product. And I completely agree with that. But because I choose to engage in in the process of it, does does that give me a right to say that you your have to process yeah. is invalid or that you have to do it the same way I do? No, but what is there? And again, I don't have any answers to this. I'm I'm, I'm really just kind of so trying in your to case, the ultimate process is what I'm sorry. What was the guy's name? Uh, Thaler. You're saying that Thaler has his process of making his computer glitch. And so therefore, that's just as valid as you doing whatever you do or I do whatever. No, I do. I'm not saying that at all. I don't know. I'm right. saying that this this article and some of some of where some of the things that I have read and listened to in the last just several months have are having are are causing me to question the snap judgment. Great show, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I met that guy. What's that guy's name? Lynn uh, Washington. I don't know. I don't remember. I think it is. Oh, yeah, I went and I met him one day. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, uh, it, it is it is causing me to rethink and reexamine this because I, as I said, I think we're ankle deep, and I think it it is more complex and more nuanced than just. Nope. Yep. There's more than it's more than binary. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think that these things can't do what we do. I just wonder why we want these things to do what we do. You know, and it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen because of that. Yeah. But I I just think that, you know, if, if at the point at which you have machines just mass producing culture. Yeah. Yeah. What is culture? Yeah. Um, yeah. There was there was an article that I had. Uh, that's that's. God, I'll you know I'm gonna have to send it to you because I think we should discuss it next week. I actually had it in here for a while in my notes that I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you now just so I don't forget. Okay. Um, it was a New York Times piece from God. When was this? October of 2023. So a few months ago. Um. And. It talks about how the arts and culture have have moved ahead and and sort of stayed in lockstep with society for a long time, but that this person feels that sort of culture has kind of come to a standstill, mm. like it's become a big sort of noise machine. Mm. Um, and 
it talks about why that is. Uh, it talks about like, you know, what we need to do to get out of it. If that's what we need to do, to get out of it. Anyway, it's, it's, I found it very interesting, but it is, I worry about it sometimes. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm at the end of, um, because my wife is out of town, I've, I've been staying up late because that's what I used to do when she, you know, didn't live with me. Right. And I stay up till 2 a.m. and I wake up at 10 a.m. And that's just my normal natural cycle. And I get a lot of stuff done at night, especially when it's dark and I can't kind of can't tell when time is moving, you know, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's quiet outside. No one's calling and, it's, you know, I don't have a TV. So, it's you know, I just it's just sort of time goes into this sort of um, liminal space. Anyway, I was sitting and I was I was rewriting this 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 rom-com script that I'm doing because the the last scene I, I don't like. And the, the last scene has people talking about, you know, uh uh the you know, why people make art is kind of what it is. Um it's a little bit of like a courtroom scene. And and I'm having a really hard time writing it because I don't know why people do any of these things anymore. I thought that I knew in the same way that you're saying you thought you had a, a an answer to a black and white answer to, you know, what AI is doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just thinking about what art means in our culture. Does it mean somebody wrote on, on threads? I was looking at threads cause I've been actually posting a little bit on threads this last week. So, you know, follow me and Jeffrey on threads. Um, where they said, uh, it was some woman and she said, uh, I'm going to follow anyone who follows me. Cause we all deserve to be famous. And do we? Yeah. And somebody wrote back and they said, you know, and you go girl or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, you know, like I'm going to follow you too. It's totally true. And I was like, okay what does that even mean? Yeah. If everyone's, if everyone's famous, then no one is right. It's it. it, What is fame? Like what? It's like any of this sort of, um, it's like a bad Warholian joke, right? (laughs) That, that, that what culture has become is this sort of fast fashion. I've got to get mine. I got to be seen. I'm nothing unless I have X followers, mm. you know, and that just really, really makes me sad. Like I have a hard time dealing with that sort of um, narcissistic rat race because I don't really feel that way and I don't want to feel that way. And yet I end up, it's like, well, this is the way the game is played now. You you may you may like playing basketball without dribbling, but we've invented dribbling now, so that's the way you got to play the game. And yeah. it's like, well, and everybody dribbles. Yeah, if you want to if you want to play it, you got to yeah yeah you know it's a bad analogy, but you get my point. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I am I am largely in the same place, and I I think part of it is. Because we've watched the evolution. If you're 20 something. And you just get dropped even, into this is just the way it is. This is the way it is. Yeah. You, if we use the term blog roll, you have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, if we, if we say, hey, 
did you get that new Winamp skin? You right. know, you're going to be right. like, wait, what, what does that even mean? I don't even know. But we have, we have this perspective that's not better. It's not worse. It's just a different, we have a longer continuum uh, to look at. And so I think we, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's the curse of every generation to lament the passing of the previous, right? Sure, of every, every generation looks back and says, oh, well, if it was only like the previous generation, then well, everything would be great. And that's not entirely true, but there are some exceptions. And I think for some of us who, who think that the work should be able to, to be evaluated and appreciated on its own without going, well, how many followers do you have? Yeah. Well, and especially if the followers are not based necessarily upon the work, but are based upon the fact that you have a nice butt or based upon the fact that you make videos where you're, you know, uh, lip syncing over scenes from movies and recreate, you know what I mean? Like all this kind of nonsense. Which is literally just, Bill and I it's are just be performing a scene from Jackie Brown later in the week. It's just and, drivel. Yeah. It's just noise and nonsense. And like, and listen, I am as guilty as anyone sitting there when I'm procrastinating, waiting for a flight, flipping through things on Instagram or whatever it is, just watching these stupid videos. I'm as guilty as anyone. I'm not saying that I don't see them and I don't, I'm not saying that some of them aren't funny or cute or, or, or interesting, but they are gone as quickly as they came. Yeah. You know? There's, there's nothing, nothing is lasting at all. It's just, I I wonder if, I mean, this would be an interesting round table to, uh, this might be an interesting round table to get, um, to get Lancelot and Guinevere. Somebody in, in their teens. Okay. Someone across decades, someone in their twenties, thirties, forties, and talk about some of this stuff and, and talk about the idea of legacy is that important? Is that even something that's considered by a 20-something Instafluencer? Do they even consider the idea of legacy? Or is it, is it you know, I, I'm going for what I can get now. I'm going for what I can do now. I mean, in, in some ways, I'm almost envious because they are able to live so much in the present, whether that present is is real or a fantasy or you know whatever is somehow different to my own concept of presence i have to applaud them for being able to live there and not worry about what happened 10 years ago and compare where they're at to what happened 10 years ago or think about where it's going to be 10 years from now yeah sure there 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 is something there that i i i have to recognize and i have to acknowledge that i am incapable of i uh i was talking to a 20 year old the other day on text and I, they will re- remain nameless so that I can tell you what, the, what we were talking about. We, yep. It was just some random thing. And, and, and they were saying that their father used the term. He said, uh, they said, uh, yes, but he also used talking about their father. I also used, he also used the word camp recently. So I'm very confused about this mix of vocab because camp is like quite a current thing as well. And I, and I said, wait till you get older. And you're going to be confused by the vocab of all the youngsters. It's very disheartening. And they said, no, but I already am. This 20 year old person. I can't hmm. tell what the middle or high schoolers mean half the time. It's terrible. And then they wrote at a minute V S K S B X I S B D K S. And I said, I'm sorry, does that mean something? 
And they said, no, it's a key smash. And then sent me a an Urban Dictionary definition of a key smash, which is just being frustrated and smashing the keys, which is what I thought you did this morning when you oh, right. wrote all when that I cut myself. <laughs> <laughs> he really is in touch with the youth. Well, that's, that's what the joke I was going to make. Yeah, and it's, yeah. But it's like, this is somebody who's 20 who feels already out of touch. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, mm. I just, I think that it's very interesting, but I don't. Interesting enough to be a part of or interesting to look at only from a distance. I think that it's interesting from a sociological point of view and I don't need to be in that river because I don't know that it's not heading towards waterfalls. Right. Because that's, I, I, I don't but know how you keep it up. Moving. I don't know how it keeps accelerating and we, we don't just get lost in it. Yeah. Because I feel like at we're already moving. sort of lost in it. I'm standing still. You're standing still by comparison. I feel like I'm standing still and I didn't used to feel like I was standing still. And yeah, that's like old men, blah, 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 blah. You guys got to go over yeah. yourselves. I'm sure that there's part of that, but I, I don't think that a lot of people... I think that identity has changed a lot. Um, How do you mean? I think it's harder now to define yourself as what you want to be. I think you end up sort of, and this has, I guess, always been a thing where you pick up stuff from culture and you kind of put it on as a badge and those badges add up to an outfit and that outfit is you, you know? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> But I feel like I've only got a few badges. So my outfit's incomplete under using that, you know, metaphor. Yeah. And that's I why you get arrested when you go out. That's right. <laughs> you got to cover that part up. Um, no, I really do. I, I feel like I have, you know, I, like you probably do. I have this, this aesthetic. I have a set of skills. I have opinions. I have, I have feelings about things, but all of those things are based on outdated models in some cases. So do they really mean anything anymore? Yeah, but aren't they based upon outdated models that at least you, you worked them over? Yeah. You, you, you use 200, then 400, then 800, then 1600 sandpaper. You know what I mean? Like right. you, right. there, it's not, things just screwed onto the outside every two minutes. And, and it's not like the things that you were, the things that you were saying have been around for a long time. And I'm sure underneath all of the noise that all of those same things are still there, but it's almost like people don't see that stuff. All they see is the noise on top. Or at least yeah. that's, at least all or, I or, see is the noise on top. I can, you know, I can't, I'm not going to yeah. speak for anyone else. I don't, I mean, I don't, without a, there are days when I feel like without a serious reinvention, of yourself. Of some sort. Yeah, of some sort. I've 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 refined and polished the uniqueness out of myself. Oh, you you feel like okay, so you feel like you don't have any uniqueness still left. Not not from the outside. I I I feel like I do in terms of the the breadth of of you know my professional life and and you know interests and things like that I I do believe that for myself but 
I don't believe that that's what's valued anymore. What do you think is valued? Immediacy. Yeah. It's I don't want to have to think about what you do. When I ask you, what do you do? You should be ready with the answer. You shouldn't have to go, well, you know, that's complicated. Okay, I don't have time for complicated. So what do you do? What are you doing? Are you a photographer? Great. What kind of pictures you take? Are you a wedding photographer? Well, you know, okay, you've already lost me. You know, I, I feel yeah. like conversationally we've become like, uh, you know, Jacob Nielsen's explanation of, of, you know, web interaction. Like if you don't grab somebody's attention in the first four tenths of a second – they're lost. They don't, they, they've moved on. And I don't yeah. know how to be that. Yeah, there was a, I, I don't know how to be at four tenths of a second. There was a, I, uh, you know, the Leo's son, Leo Laporte's son is, Leo a, Laporte. is a famous TikToker now. Is he? Yeah. He, Salt Hank is his handle. He, he makes sandwiches. Salt Hank. Yeah. He makes hmm. sandwiches and he's got like 4 million followers. Or Holy something. moly for making sandwiches. Yeah, he just makes sandwiches. And his little TikTok videos are, you know, 20 seconds long and it's like it's 3 frames of this and 6 frames of that and you know what I mean? It's like that real oh quick gosh. quick cut thing. Yeah. And somebody put up a I guess they were talking about on one of the Twitch shows how they're making little TikToky clips out of chunks of the shows to sort of, you know, drum up. That's what they do nowadays, you know, uh um, like we, you know, we could do Leo that. Leo is doing that. Yeah, the Twit people are doing that. So you, you end up taking, you know, you and I have a cute little. Okay, for example, I when I was listening to them talking about it, I thought last week when we started out, and I said how I saw the yoga mat and the block block on the ground, and you said, "Oh my God, somebody's given up already." Right. I thought, okay, that would actually be kind of a funny clip, but then I thought I would have to actually cut out some of the n silence in there. Because hmm. it, it needs to be so fast, and he and and Leo was saying that he showed some of his things to his son, and his son's like, the, all of these are too slow. Like it has to be faster, faster, faster. Because if you don't, if you lose them, they're just gonna flip to the next one, flip to the next one, flip to the next one. But is the content faster? Has the content become faster than our brains are able to process, recognize, and and form any sense of coherence? I think it might. I think the. I think that the tempo of all of it is so fast that we can't care about any of it you know yeah and maybe that's and so when when yeah. when i mean to get back to what you were saying initially with this ai machine it's like great okay let's say all of that is true okay now we got these machines that make it how does that help things it just gives us more crap on top yeah. More stuff to fiddle through more, you know, I, I, this week I was, I, I, I was flipping through Instagram and some of the photographers I follow and the work is really, um, works really nice, you know, really great portraits, really great, whatever. And I was thinking, how do you keep some sort of balance between keeping an eye on what other people are doing and then keeping your eye on your own paper and concentrating on your work, you know, mm. cause I have a really hard time doing that. Because if I put my head down and just worry about myself, then it's like, well, there's trends or ideas or lighting styles or whatever it is that you're missing. And you're you're not gonna I'm not supposed to come up with all the best things all the time. That's what I need to look at the world and what the world is doing to figure out the direction lighting styles are going or the you know, good ideas came from this person here or that lady there, or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, we as a as a as a group of photographers are moving forward and I have to keep an eye on other people in order to 
be part of that conversation, I guess, if I want to be part of that conversation or else I don't think that I'm, somebody said something about talent the other day and I I hate the term talent. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Why? Because I don't think it's about talent. I think it's about, you know, oh, this person's so talented and that's why they're able to jump 26 feet. It's like, no, they're able to jump 26 feet because they trained for that. They didn't come out of the womb jumping 26 feet. Like talent assumes that, that, that it feels like uh, inherited wealth. You know what I'm saying? So and the reason why we're good like at things Mozart is because sit. we're talented. Where so, do people like Mozart sit? They didn't, he didn't, Mozart, there's no way he could have oh, practiced himself to oh, that. I think that there, I, sure, I think that there are phenoms out there, but I think most of the people who are good at what they do are good at what they do because they, yeah, had some sort of little seed of, of, of what you, I would say is my thinking about talent, which is, oh, you have an aptitude for this. Hmm. But I still, you know, Mozart still wrote 426 pieces of music in his 30 years, big pieces of music. So, yeah, he's, you know, but the stuff Mozart wrote when he was five is not the stuff he wrote, is not the Requiem that he wrote before he died. You know, he got better because it took time. And that's, that's, that's the way the world works. So, you know, it's, it's, I can't, I can't come up i don't think that i am that talented of a photographer in the sense that i don't think that the images that i make have inherently something above and beyond the world of photography that i can exist independent of it and figure out what it's doing you know what i mean i can't Mm -hmm. i can't compete with all of portrait photographers in the world uh, is it me against all of them combined as an aggregate? I, I'm going to lose because I can't come up with all those ideas. Maybe I'm not as creative. Maybe I'm not as uh, 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 good at lighting, technical stuff, whatever it is, right? Like, I, of course, I can't compete with that. I can look at those and take little bits and pieces of them and then bring it into my work per our conversation earlier about the AI stuff. Sure, absolutely. Right. And I do that as we all do. But I also can't become so obsessed with looking at them that I don't actually come up with something that is me. You know, it's just a constant tug, this dialectic, right? Um, and I, I lately, I, I it's it's I could get so hung up on looking at other people's work and saying, "Oh man, that image is so great!" Like I suck. There's no way I could do something like that. But and why I, does one have to cancel out the other? You know, well, why why should I bother painting when Caravaggio already did it or whatever? You know, right, right. Um, and, and I get it, I get it. I'm, 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 but I'm for you. Yeah. You know, you you because I want I because I do want to make stuff that is so good that I look at it and think, oh yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And and if I don't make it, you know, I feel like a loser. But at the same time. If I feel like all I can do is look at other people's stuff and copy that, then what am I adding to it? Mm. You know, um, I need to, I want to make something that feels like mine, even though it's informed by a million other people's images. But there's now so many images coming out so fast by so many great photographers. I could spend all day just looking at everyone's amazing work all day long. And then I'm not going to get any of my own work done, but without getting to the work phase. Yeah. But but then I'll spend eight hours working on my own stuff. And then at the end of that, think, wow, there's eight hours worth of posts by all these other people that I missed because I, you know what I mean? Like maybe there was something amazing in that, that I could have used in my own, you know, whatever. Right. It's, it just feels like banging a head against a wall. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it is it's just this, it's not like going and looking at a book or there's an article in the newspaper about some new photographer or something. It's just constant. And it's expected of you to be releasing constantly in order to, you know, maintain some sort of uh, uh, respectability or, or, yeah. or relevance, relevance, you know, and, and, yeah. and the machines and the algorithms reward that. Well, you posted four things today. You better post four things tomorrow or else you're going to not be shown as much in the algorithmic timeline. And therefore you won't get as many followers or you're using the wrong hashtags or, you know, mm. all of that stuff. Ultimately, it's I decided I was, you know, in writing that scene, it's like, ultimately, I decided that I'm not, I don't need fame, right? I don't, I mean, great, sure, money, fame, yeah. But what I really just want is some level of respect, you know, hmm. Hmm. by the world for what I do. If I work as hard doing what I do, trying to do what I do well as the guy who's a lawyer or the woman who's an engineer or the, you know, person who's a teacher, they all get respect for the time they put into what I, what they do. And then I do what I do and somebody comes up to me and they said, you know, oh, I'd like you to do this for me. And I'll say, well, it costs X amount of money. And I'll say, well, I, I was thinking $150. It's like, how can I do what I do for $150? If I did that every single day, all year round, I would make minimum wage. So no, I can't do it for $150. And you see that as a lack of respect. Yes. Even though I know for them that $150 might be a lot of money, right? Right. It very well could be. I'm not denying that. But just putting it into perspective, I, I have 15 years of expertise in this and I'm considered, I'm pretty well regarded in what I do, I think. It's like, I, it just, it's just so frustrating to, you know, it's, it's like I, you know, um, I don't know what the equivalent is, you know, it's, 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 it's like, uh, the, the guy at the end of band of brothers, you know, coming back and they're just like, well, you're, even though you've been through all that stuff, you're a private still. It's like, wait, what? Right. Like, yeah. Did I not get any <laughs> rank increases through all that crap? Right, 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 right. You know, what, what do I have to do to, to, to be seen, you know? Mm. Um, and maybe, maybe it's just that the world does it. It's, it's that what I do or what you do doesn't really matter. There's could be people who say that the reason why you're not getting respect bill is because portraits of people don't matter. Well, but, but I will tell you that a a friend of mine's mother passed away recently and the picture that I took of her mother, she brings it up every time I talk to her. Yeah. Every time. It's like, it's one of the more important things that's happened to her in years seemingly is this picture I took of her mother because now her mother's gone and this is her mother to her, you know? Mm. So obviously these things do matter. They do. But there, there's also a shift, and I've spoken to several people about this in, in different, you know, areas. There's a shift away from expertise. Sure. Yeah. It matters, but it's not the, 
it doesn't have the cachet that it once did. Sure. And maybe that'll come around again. I don't know. But there is there. It feels like there is a shift in that as well, that the the rewards are coming not to uh, effort and expertise, but uh, flash hype and reach. Yeah. But then again, you know, you and I both follow, for example, your your collage art director guy you were talking about. Ashworth. Or, yeah. you know, I, there's that, uh, uh, the CJ Henry. Is that oh her, yeah. Her name? Illustrator. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, there is, there are people who are creating at a magnificently high level, mm-hmm. um, who are noticed. Right. So it's not that it's all noise and that there aren't people out there who. Absolutely. So but it's, it feels like it's trending in a different direction. Yeah, or it feels like th- those people are the are are sort of the 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 whatever that proves the rule. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. By the way, I man, I was looking something up yesterday, and I just came upon a couple of videos on YouTube where the people were talking about uh, William Eggleston. Man, I love his work. <laughs> I do too. I know. It's like, you know, sometimes you just see something you're reminded like, oh, right. That guy. Mm -hmm. Damn, that's good. (laughs) And it's funny because he shoots nothing like I would ever shoot. It's not the kind of stuff I want to take. It doesn't necessarily have all, it doesn't, his images don't say anything particular. You know what I mean? It's more of a feel to them. Yeah. They hold your gaze though, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I I've, I was talking about that with a friend the other day. Him in particular yeah. or just... Yeah, Eggleston in particular. Yeah, It's just, it's so good, especially the old stuff. It's so good. Um, And to think that, you know, at the time, well, that wasn't real respected because it was on color. Yeah, but it was, you're talking about people not respecting the show that was at MoMA that he had. Right. You know, but his images were at MoMA. So... But there are lots of people who we regard with near reverence that in their time weren't so well respected. Sure. Not all, but certainly there are, there are several standouts that didn't sell a lot of work, weren't highly regarded, didn't ask to get to exhibit here, there, didn't get to go to the fancy parties, whatever it is. But we, we look back on their work and we have been, maybe even for some of us forever changed by that work, regardless of whether it was popular, regardless of whether it sold. And, you know, as I get older, because it was my birthday last week, um, and I'm now 49. And I know that doesn't sound old to you who are older than us. And it sounds old, super old to those of you much younger than us. But, you know, I've sort of got, I don't need to have my stuff up in the biggest museums in the world. I've, in some ways, I feel lucky that I can just do what I do and I think do it well. Um, it's like, I just want to be left alone to do what I do, you know? Right. Right. Uh, um, that sounds super old. Uh, but it doesn't make it untrue and it doesn't make it, you know, invalid. No, no. Um, if, if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. That's how I feel 
right now. And I, and, and so it's all, it's sort of just going back to, okay, I'm just going to keep doing the thing that I do and put my head down and try to do it well because nothing else has ever worked. It's, it's the old, um, you know, what's the thing on the West wing? Uh, you have to believe that a small group of dedicated people can change the world because it's the only thing mm. that ever has. It's like, well, the the only thing that ever has worked for me is just putting my head down and doing the work. Um, you want to do some Q and A's? Yeah, got a couple, we got a couple questions here. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I've got a photographer of the week that we we were going to use a couple weeks ago, but or a few okay. weeks ago. Okay, uh, and I think she's going to be a good one. So okay. yeah, Great. but please go. Yeah, uh, Tom in Michigan. We love Tom. Oh, Tom. Tom. That guy. Tom wants He's been a, around forever. He wants recommendations from us. Uh, uh, a movie, an album, like a whole album, listening to the whole album, and a podcast. A movie, an album, and a podcast. Like old or new, like a new discovery? Or uh, he, he said, he said uh, could be from before 2000, I think is what he said. By the way, I feel this is like we made a phone. An iPod, yeah, right. an internet communicator. <laughs> Are you getting it? <laughs> um, that was so genius. A movie, an album, a podcast. Uh, a movie, yeah. album, and podcast. What do you got? Let's start with um, a movie. You got a movie. You have a you have a favorite movie that you know. A favorite movie pre two thousand. That might be a little off the beaten path. Hmm. A movie a little off the beaten path. Because, you know, I know you could say Blade Runner, but everyone I could say Blade Runner. probably seen Blade Runner. Everybody, yeah, everybody's probably seen Blade Runner. Um, Be original. Say Citizen Kane or The Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather. <laughs> Godfather 2. Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah. Uh, it's, an, it's an uncut gem. All right. Well, while you're um, thinking, I, I, I got yeah. one. Maybe it'll Do you have you. one? Yeah. I would say Italian film. From early '90s cinema, Paradiso. You know this? Oh movie? yeah, great movie. Yeah, great movie. End of that movie still sobs me every time. Oh my god, kills me. And there's a, yeah. there's now a new uh, 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 director's cut which changes the ending. What? Yes. No. 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 Do no, 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 not no. watch it. No. Do not. Do not watch it, Jeffrey. It no. kind of ruined it for me. So if you can watch Cinema Paradiso, do not watch the director's cut. Try to find the theatrical cut. Why? <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, Want me to tell you what the difference? Uh, yeah. She, she's yeah. there when he goes back to town and he meets up. No. Him. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. See that, but that makes it. I know. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So there, there's my movie. You got see, so you got something? You know what I do, and it's it's a movie that I've actually there are two, and they're they're directed by the same person, and I've wanted to watch this with with Fielding. It's I love it, and I think it's it's a uh, um just got such a beautiful style to it, um, and it's it's called In the Mood for Love. Oh, it's directed by a guy named uh, Wong Kar Wai, who also did another movie called Twenty Forty Six, which is also incredibly stylish and. Uses uses the a, a, a same actor in both movies, a guy named Tony Leung. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, this is year 2000. This is uh, Hong Kong, France. Yeah, got it. Yeah. it's uh, His stuff is just so well directed and well shot, and it's beautiful to look at. And Currently on Max in America. 
that world. Yeah, it's just I love I love the style of Wong Kar Wai's movies. Okay, so, uh, in the mood for love and twenty forty six, both of which I have on DVD. Uh, album, album. You know what? Um, yeah, uh, Adrian. A few months back, well, maybe a few, more than a few months ago, uh, Adrian loves to go uh, thrifting, right? And uh, one of the things that that she uh, every once in a while will find um, are records, and and not just one or two. It's like somebody somebody has dumped their their whole collection, right? Yeah. And um, the uh, th- this one this one uh, haul that she came home with. She came home with Chicago Transit Authority. <laughs> And um, uh, the best of blood, sweat, and tears. Okay, yeah, I can't go wrong with any of that. Both of which incredible musicianship. You know, we we both love a, a band with a horn section in it. You can't go wrong. Um, and so those those I think those two records, Chicago Transit Authority, and the best of blood, sweat, going, and tears. Going back to the seventies, you. Yeah. In fact, I I liked the Blood, Sweat, and Tears album so much I bought it on CD so I could keep it in the car. Okay. Can't go wrong with blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Uh, I would probably go back to one of my old standbys, which is uh, uh, Spilt Milk by Jellyfish. Oh, great record. <laughs> which is just one of those. I mean, it, it ends and begins on the same note. It fades out and fades back in if you just put it on repeat. So it's you could just sort of like listen to it on a loop. Um, that's one of the records that I always go back to. Um, the other one that I would say is a guy that I knew in Boston who ended up putting out a single album on Columbia like 20-something years ago. His name is Blue, B-L-E-U, and the album is called Redhead. Uh, and you can find it on the you know all the streaming services. Um, Blue, and the album is Redhead. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a song called I Won't Go Hollywood, I th- think is... You know, one of the songs on this record is it was on a, like a, a Spider-Man soundtrack back in the day. It was like mm. in the closing credits or something. But he's one of those people who writes. It's like power pop with really interesting chords. Um, anyway, Blue Redhead is from 2003. Uh, take a listen, especially the song I Won't Go Hollywood, which I think he wrote when he was traveling out to California to write the album. Uh, to, to be fair, I think some of these, this guy went on, stayed in LA and ended up working with the guys from jellyfish. Oh, really? Yeah. So like he's, he's in that sort of world. Um, there's a cool documentary about, uh, the making of jellyfish and spilt milk two of them, uh, and interviews with Manning. And, oh, I saw and, the uh, interviews with Manning. Is there something more than that? No, no, you saw those then. Yeah, the the producer guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the lead singer nowhere to be found. Doesn't want to be found. Doesn't want to talk about it. Doesn't want to. Yeah, I know. And those albums are Andy Sturmer. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I would say, uh, the other two, which are really obvious, but also Glass Houses, Stranger, Fifty Second Street by Billy Joel. Like all three albums are absolutely listenable front to back. Like I just found a, a copy of The Stranger on CD at our little at our library bookstore still in the shrink wrap for two bucks yeah there you go uh and uh podcast you got a podcast you've been listening to lately 
<sighs> you know, I, I really like the same things. I mean, I, I, I listen to a lot of, I, I take that back. Let me start again. I have subscribed to a lot of podcasts, but I still keep coming back to the ones that I really connect with. And that's design matters with Debbie Millman. I think she is a, a, a fantastic, um, uh, interviewer, but my, I, I don't even know if you can call it a podcast. It's George Strombolopoulos, um, Strombo. Strombo does a, a show called house of Strombo and he gets people over to his house. He's got two houses, he's got one in LA and one in Toronto and they come over and they just talk or sometimes they play music or sometimes they talk and play music. And right. he's had, you know, anybody who's anybody has been to his house and he is Strombo is probably my current favorite interviewer slash conversationalist. And I have learned so much by listening to him and by watching him connect with and make space for his guests. Most recently, he was talking to Getty Lee from Rush. I've heard uh, of who, yeah, uh, Getty's got a, a biography called My F in Life, which I've not read yet. I have it on order, but I haven't read it yet. And he came over to Strombo's house and, and they were talking about the book tour uh, and they were talking about uh, Neil's death and the band and how, how you know, Getty was able to or forced to or was allowed to, depending on the circumstances, to deal with some of those things and navigate some of those things. And, and watching Strombo not feel like he has to be on mic or sure. comment or just he he is a master at creating space. He is a master of of making room for a guest and he does his research and he comes up with beautifully insightful questions and and then just sits back and lets lets the guest feel comfortable in their skin to answer. And man, if he he is to me what what Penn is to you or what Caravaggio sure. is to you. Okay. He is He's fantastic. So George Strombolopoulos. This seems like a video thing more than an audio thing or like an audio. Is, is it available as a podcast? Because I can't find it, but I see it on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Okay. It's a video podcast. Okay. Um, and then he also does a show on Apple Music. Okay. But that's, you know, he's just, I just, you know, it, it's, it's funny. I, um, I commented on something that he, I commented on the, on the Getty Lee thing. Yeah. And, uh. Let me see if I can find it just very quickly. Um, let's see. Yeah, here we go. Uh, so I posted this this story uh, and it says, Strombo is one of the best in the game at what he does and a huge inspiration to me. This chat with Getty Images is another masterclass in being present and how to turn an interview into an insightful conversation. And he responded to it. He said, thank you, Jeffrey. And he spelled my name right. Hey, which says to me, there he goes. Two things. You paid attention. Yeah. And that's one of the things that pay, pays attention to little details and is present and gets it and sees people for who they are. Can't say enough about him. Wait, that's why anyway. you spell your name that way? Just to see if people pay attention? <laughs> I, I didn't spell it that way. <laughs> I wouldn't have even chosen that name. Uh, anyway. All right. Next question. John. Well, what, uh, wait, what was you? Pa uh, podcast for oh, you? Oh, podcast. It's true. Uh, uh, I would say the things that I have been listening to lately that are sort of not 
creative. I don't listen to a lot of creativity stuff. I do listen to Hawk versus Wolf lately, which is uh, Tony Hawk's podcast. Oh yeah, interviewing yeah, yeah. interesting interviews a lot of the time. Um, See now, wouldn't it have been cool if that was a, a they were a duo show and it was it was Tony and Wolfgang Van Halen? Is Wolfgang Van Halen actually that interesting? I think he is. Okay, I've watched several interviews with him. He seems like a good oh, he's guy. actually well spoken. I don't know anything about. Yeah, him. he's got good taste in music. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the one I would say is the rest is history, mm-hmm. which is uh, two uh, uh, is, is Tom Holland and Dominic Sandbrook. Uh, Tom Holland is not Spider Man. It's he's a very well known <laughs> historian. Uh, they're two British guys. Wow, what does he keep talking about? <laughs> yeah, uh, Tom Holland's all about like ancient Rome and the history of Christianity and and all this stuff. And Dominic Sandbrook's more of a nineteenth twentieth century guy and the two of them put out, I think, two podcasts a week mm. uh, of history. Wow. There's 406 episodes. Uh, the latest one is about Hitler's road to war and Nazis in power. And and they do really good stuff. And the other one that, man, I I don't know that I've ever talked about it. I mean, I, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but um, I just, I love Dan Carlin's history podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm a history, history Right. Yeah. But he had They're an long, epi- though. They're like five hours long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had an episode where he had the rest is he went on the rest is history guys show and did an episode. And then they had he had them on his show. And they got into sort of um, not so much counterfactuals, but just sort of saying, you know, what's what's going on in the world like like the 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 way that they see history and the way that that changes um it's just interesting they get into sort of like a a meta conversation about what history means and the difference between like history and 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 philosophy and Mm. you know it's just it's it's it gets it gets really deep and intense i'll put the show in the show notes and uh and y'all can listen to it if you're at all interested in philosophy i found it absolutely fascinating this episode um okay one more uh question here is from john uh dunkelberg god i always get that wrong uh anyway he wrote a thing in talking he sent a voicemail i think it was talking about yep. uh pantsers versus people who outline when they write so people who go by the seat of their pants and the people who make a plan and he asks, do visual artists do the same things? Sometimes when I do a shoot, I have very detailed plans in terms of what I'm going to do, but I'm a hobbyist. Do you have concrete ideas when you go in? Do you just go in and see where it takes you? Jeffrey, how concrete are your plans when you sit down or go into the studio? Do you know what you're going to do before you go in there? Depends on the body of work. Sometimes I have it previsd, and if it's if it's the narrative stuff, I have to plan it because if I'm making any sort of emulsion transfers, or if I'm printing elements to be used, they have to be done at a certain scale because sure. I've, I've, I've seen them that way. Um, so in, in those cases, yes, I plan. It never goes to plan. No. Uh, things happen. I rip through things. I, I sand through things. I mix a color the wrong way, whatever it is. There's all sorts of, you know, happy accidents that happen. Wait, are you um, saying that you, you make mistakes? <laughs> I'm Yeah. Uh, surprising, isn't it? Um, the, the, some of the other stuff I go in with an idea, but it goes where it wants to go mostly. Um, the writing stuff, yeah, you know, obviously I have an idea of, of where I want to go and it goes through that stage, you know, those multiple stages where, oh, this is really an interesting idea. Oh, this is going somewhere. Oh, this is really rubbish. And I should just abandon it altogether. 
let me put it down for a little bit. I pick it up again, take another look, and then it comes together. You know, and I was, was kind of re- goes the whole way. I was rewatching a chunk of Finding Forrester the other day. Yeah. Do you remember that movie? Um, it's no, uh, remind me. Uh, like a young black inner city high school student who's really smart ends up getting a scholarship to a really fancy school. But he ends up sounds familiar. accidentally befriending uh, an old author who's sort of a hermit, sort of a hmm. J.D. Salinger kind of situation. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, played by, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, 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 Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, okay. there's a scene where he's like kind of teaching the kid how to write, you know, better. And so he grabs... Uh, uh, a typewriter and he sits it down and he has these two typewriters facing and he's just like all right right and 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 connery's character is like tick 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 and the guy and the kid's like just sitting there and he's like what are you doing and he's just like i'm, I'm thinking and connery's character goes no no no, you don't think you just write first draft you don't think you just write you know and he's just like tick 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 and he's having the conversation with the kid as he's like banging away at the typewriter you know what i mean like he's like having this conversation like this and just typing stuff and then he just like stops and he pulls it out and he hands it to the kid and the kid's just like jesus christ you know like like right this, right but the idea is that it's just coming like just put it out there put something on the page you you write with your heart then you edit with your head kind of thing right do right, you right, right. do that when you are writing your essays and things i didn't used to but i i, I do now I, tr- I just try and get down ideas, whether it's outlines, whether it's a, a turn of a phrase, whether it's it's just something to explore later. And I you tend can do to, a fast stream of consciousness like? Um, yeah. Or I'll have my phone with me and I'll record audio notes, which is more often what I do is I'll just I'll just talk and uh, then I'll transcribe that. If I can find a great you know transcription app that wasn't 10 cents a word, I would probably use that. But until then I just listen to it back. And if there's something in there, then, you know, I'll jot it down. You know, I think you could probably even not even do the audio notes, just open up Apple notes, hit the little microphone thing and start talking and it'll transcribe it as you talk it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a, it's a, maybe that's a good idea. Cause it's actually pretty accurate in my experience. Yeah. I see. Are you going to test it right now? I'm going to test it right now. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, no, though. Just notes? No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You're going any any anywhere you can type. All right, let me start a new note. Start a new note. Yeah. And then hit the little microphone down. I'm the, hitting the record thing. Yeah, the bottom right hand so corner. Here it is talking. It's not talking. I'm talking. Yeah. No, oh, there's no punctuation whatsoever. It's just random run-on sentence. Wow. Well, oh, random no. run-on sentence. Period. You know, but the next thing I'm going to say is going to be a question. You know what I mean? Oh, wait, like, now it's it's revising and it's putting punctuation. Yeah. Look at that. That's pretty clever. It's it's actually much better than you remember. It is much better than I remember. Yeah. And so. Let me stop. Okay. So it wrote. I'm hitting the record thing. All right. So here it is talking. Actually, it's not talking. I'm talking. There is no punctuation whatsoever. That 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 one thing is one big run on sentence. Yeah. But right. it was a sort of a run on sentence when you were speaking it. <laughs> that's kind of how I speak. <laughs> and and I'd like to point out that like if you're up, if if the the point of this is just to get it all down, yeah, which yeah. is what yeah. it's for, that's fine. You're going to go edit it anyway. It's not like it has to be perfect out of your mouth. That is true. Anyway, just something all right. you could always give that a shot. Yeah. Um All right, that's enough of that for today. You got a uh uh you got a photographer of the week? I do. 
Uh, oh, Deborah wait, you know Tuberville. Oh, okay. Yeah. Deborah, what were you going to say? I realized that I didn't answer the question, but it doesn't matter. You know, well, how go I answer work. the question. Yeah, answer the question. Uh, no, it's okay. No, you go answer the question. <laughs> uh, sometimes tell, I have. Tell, tell the nice man what he wants to know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I um, I do make plans. I try to make. I like. I like the idea of winging it. Often times, my life is just. You know, it's just I have to wing it just because I'm walking into places I don't know what I'm walking into. But lately, I try to come up with a plan because, you know, as my friend Angus once said, fail to plan, plan to fail. So at least have a plan, even if you don't use it. Um, but I am not a strict person when it comes to that kind of stuff. And when I write, I've tried it both ways, outline, no outline. And I don't think the outlines really help me all that much. Um, I think sometimes when I'm writing something, I'll think, oh, I need to do a scene about such and such. And I'll write it down what the scene is about, but I won't write the scene. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like a, a placeholder. I'll right. do that a lot in my head and I'll, I'll do the same on a shooter. And I'll just sort of like write down a quick thing of, Oh, by the window, let's try this. Them sitting on a stool, you know, whatever the stupid thing is flowers or whatever, just to remind myself of things that I wanted to try. Right. Right. But it's never some detailed sketch. Everything is perfect. And their head is tilted just this way. And, you know, I'm not recreating a, uh, I'm not the Coen brothers, you know, or, or Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, no, 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 no. It's like, gotta be symmetrical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I guess I mean there's there's validity in that because in some ways, then making those cards, coming up with the plan in the first place, is is in some ways the creative part, and then right. you're just executing on it. I prefer to the to have the creative part and the execution sort of be one and the same. And I think maybe that's the distinction. There's people who like to separate those two, the the craft yeah. from the creativity. Right, but right, right, for right. me, it's the sandwich of the craft and the create. It's it's the peanut butter and jelly that makes it interesting. Right, um, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Deborah Tuberville, Deborah Tuberville, Deborah Lou Tuberville was an American photographer most known for her role in the shifting of style, shifting the style of fashion photography from its traditional well lit images to a broody dreaming style. This is from Artnet, by the way. Ooh, broody. Unlike her contemporaries Guy Bourdin and Helmut Newton, whose styles were also edgy and dark, but lean more towards urban erotic tones, Tuberville's aesthetic tended towards a dreamy and mysterious style, contradicting the ideas of technical perfection and the sexualization of the female figure. Quote, the idea of disintegration is really at the heart of my work, she said about her photography which has been characterized by its grain, its use of pastels, sepia, or black and white tones, and by its image-blurring techniques. Tuberville was born July 6, 1932, in Boston. She grew up involved in theater, dance, and literature. She moved to New York after school, initially intending to pursue a career in theater. However, she was discovered by a fashion designer, Claire McCardle, and was asked to join her design studio. Through her work, Tuberville later met Deanna Vreeland, editor of Harper's Bazaar, and became editor at the magazine where she worked with photographers like Richard Avedon, Bob Richardson, and Deanne Arbus and started developing her own style. Um, beautiful work, I do, think. Do we know how, and yeah, I agree, do we know how she was smearing her frame? Was she doing it in camera? Was she using? You know, I couldn't find anything. I looked because it was... Uh, use of printing papers with varied tones and textures, distressing or tearing the print and the application of masking tape or other collage elements. But that doesn't that doesn't speak that's to all after the, the dreaminess. Yeah. 
I don't, you know, was she smearing Vaseline, like that whole trick? Yeah, because uh, it feels like know. there's something, I mean, maybe it's done in post, but it does feel like plastic. You know what I mean? It feels very yeah. 70s in that kind of way, that sort of. Um, did they have. Uh, did they have plastic I mean, in the 70s? Come yeah, on, no, you did were they there. have like uh, like the Coken filter, right? The Coken filter system. Did they have things like for grain or mist or something like that back then? Or oh, would this I, I, people have were to putting, have been a post? No, because people were putting nets on their cameras for yeah, the last yeah. hundred years behind their lenses or in front of their lenses. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's something about a lot of the images that feel, yeah, she's either going through a net or through some sort of material through like a really light paper. Like there's a, there's a, there's a thing about it. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I look at her work and I, I, I think it should be in like the liner notes on a Roxy music record. Yes. Uh, definitely. Feels you know what I mean? Way. Like it's got style, but it's, but it's, uh, it, it's not, I, I don't know. I, I love her work. I don't know how to describe it right now, but it just feels like. I will say that I agree that I don't think she's deliberately sexualizing women the way that um newton and some of those other people oh were. yeah certainly not the way newton is but it's not like she was not taking pictures of gorgeous people you know what i mean which is uh, in yeah. its own way not necessarily sexualizing but it, there was certainly a high aesthetic concern yes but i i don't feel like these photos were intended to titillate as much as somebody like newton uh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they are intended to um, uh, create a fantasy. They're still a fantasy, just a yeah, different sure. kind of fantasy. Sure. Um, yeah. If you have a couple links of that stuff, send it along. I'll put it on the show notes. But yeah, okay. no, this yeah. this stuff is uh, really, really beautiful. Oh man, that did you see the shot of the leg with the the legs around the woman? Hold on a second. Let me see. Uh, wait, how can I send this to you? How can I send this to you? Uh, copy image and uh, Jeffrey's over here. You can um, just click. Can't you just click? Like this that one goes... with, with the legs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Come on. Isn't that great? Come on. Yeah, that's great. Come on. Come on. I look at that kind of stuff and I think, man, that's good. Uh, yeah. My friend Iran is coming over tomorrow night and take some pictures. So I'm trying to get inspired. Well, here it is, right here, that's, Deborah that's, Tuberville. I'm gonna put yeah. on some Roxy music, listening to the sultry tones of Brian Ferry crooning. Yeah, pull out a piece of tracing paper or my right. wife's stockings little, or little my stockings. Vellum. Yeah, yeah, one of your stockings. Uh, you know, it's actually kind of it might be fun. Is yeah, get some vellum or something and like punch a hole through it and put it in front of the lens so it's sort of creeping in on the edges of the, of the frame. That would be kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. See, this is how it's done, kids. <laughs> uh this is this is the peanut butter and jelly this is the stuff right here <laughs> real time come on that's right that's right um yeah i mean i think that was a heavy episode uh, a little bit yeah but good i like that no 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 I, I, hey i'm not complaining uh I'm here for it as the kids say podcast at ontakingpictures.com alan bailward uh, and uh, 929-390-1916. Uh, somebody get, somebody get uh, Alan a tissue. He just got, he just got tagged. Oh, I was texting with him last night. He's fine. 
uh, and uh, follow us uh, at Bill Wadman at Jeffrey's Doris on uh, the Instagram and the threads. And the threads, yeah. And um, I started using that too. So look at us. Just I, like the youngins. I'm not sold, sold on it, but okay. You know. I'm, well, it's 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 better than the dumpster fire that Twitter has become. Sure. Yeah, no, no, no. That's 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 gone and dead. Dead and gone. Yeah. Gone and Yeah. Well, I just read a, a thing yesterday that the the, the valuation on Twitter a year later. percent Yeah, down. thirteen million dollars now. Or thirteen billion rather, down yeah. from forty four billion. Yeah. Yeah. It's down like seventy percent. Elon's been uh, taking investing advice from my dad. <laughs> Buy high, sell low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I will go edit this down and you guys get to listen to it. So uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you for listening. And, and thank hey, you go, for being here. Go on iTunes and, and uh, uh, give us a give us a review. That really helps. Um, or go make some work. Go, go listen, read, yeah. look at and send art, it to us. watch movies. Yeah. I want to see what you guys are making. Yeah, me too. Uh, All right. Going on and on the way we are for so long. Too many fools, it's plain to see something.